just sitting here. Good morning, everybody. Uh, just sitting here. It's a little after nine in the morning on Wednesday, November 13th. It's uh, too lazy to write. And uh, it's me, your host, the real John Baker, or just John Baker. And I was kind of just sitting here surfing the web thinking, you know what, rather than look at what's going on in the world today, I should just talk for a few minutes and, you know, get some shit off my chest. I don't really have anything uh, to talk about. I thought maybe I'd just ramble on and on about a few things. Because um, the big news, of course, down here in the United States is uh, that today is the start of impeachment hearings. And um, honestly, <laughs> this this uh, shit, of, uh, shit show of a presidency has been going around now for three years. And every day, there's something new. Uh, why, just yesterday, um, some emails were leaked from Nazi Stephen Miller uh, about being a Nazi and being a white nationalist. And this isn't even news. It's like so far down on the totem pole of importance of uh, what people are talking about. So I just like, fuck. You know what? And the other thing is, so Monday Night Dancing with the Stars was on, on ABC, and um, it took nine weeks for Sean Spicer, former press secretary of this god-awful administration, uh, it took nine weeks for Sean Spicer to be eliminated from a reality show dance competition. So if the left think that they're going to be able to defeat Donald Trump, they couldn't even get this guy off a reality show. That's how great the support was for this buffoon of a man. Anyway, we should all just turn away and not look at them anymore. I hope that when this presidency is over, that it is regarded as the Chuck Cunningham of presidencies, he will go up the stairs and we will never talk about it again or just use it as a learning experience. Perhaps the way that every other city that hosted an Olympics post-Montreal 1976 were able to learn from the experiences of Montreal and the failures that occurred, maybe that's how other people will look at this presidency and they'll look at the presidency of 20, whatever year it was, 16 and realize this is, yeah, this is what we have to do to change. So that's my political rant. I don't even know why I bothered talking about it. Oh, fuck. And then, you know, the politics up here is creeping up there to my home and native land. Um, you know, um, buffoon, geriatric buffoon Don Cherry was, um, was fired or some sort of nonsense for things he said the thing that i find funny is that you know he in his little rant against probably you know his feelings towards the canadian immigration immigrant population um he he said you people you know should you know you come here and you want our blah 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 and then of course the people who defend him go and say well you people i mean he's not really talking about anyone specific he's saying you people but they know they know who he's talking about the same way we know who he's talking about. But they choose to, you know, play this sort of innocent game of, ooh, we don't know what he's talking about. He needs to say the words. 
anyway, I'm not a very smart person, but these are just some of my feelings about some of the things I'm feeling about. Uh, the other thing, what else? I'm flying, flying, I'm driving to Ottawa uh, tomorrow, actually, on Thursday. My uh, son and I will be driving in, and um, then on Friday, my wife and daughter will be joining us. It's a big weekend. My nephew's bar mitzvah. Looking forward to it. The beautiful thing is going to be that uh, my dad, who uh, I've talked about, he has been uh, in poor health these last few months, almost a year actually now. Um, yeah, it's going on a year. Uh, anyway, he is in poor health. And um, the nice thing is, uh, so last May it was my nephew, uh, his bar mitzvah in Toronto, and last September, just recent September, was my son's bar mitzvah here in Virginia. And now it's my nephew's bar mitzvah in Montreal. And my father, of course, wasn't able to be at um, either Toronto or Virginia. So the nice thing is my dad is going to be able to be at this bar mitzvah. And um, we'll be able to celebrate with him and... God willing, uh, you know, he'll get an Aliyah and uh, he'll be able to be there for the Shabbat dinner we're having on Friday and for the brunch on Sunday and for the bar mitzvah, of course, on Saturday and perhaps the bar mitzvah party for pictures. And it'll be really nice. We're, we're all very lucky to, um, to be able to share this with him because, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a good guy. He's a great guy. My dad, my, well, I mean, every, whatever. I could go on and on um, about that, but I'm not going to right now because I'm going to just, you know, keep weaving and, and speaking and blah, blah, blah. Um, the, uh, the festival, the film festival, the Washington West film festival that I'm a part of uh, just recently wrapped um, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, my son and I were lucky enough to meet uh, Anthony Daniels, the uh, actor who's portrayed C-3PO for lo these many 40 years. He's been uh, the only um, person to have appeared in all nine of the Star Wars, the, the that canon of Star Wars films. I don't believe he was in Rogue One, and I don't know if, I don't think he was in, <laughs> I was going to say Holo, a solo story, but it was Solo, a Star Wars story. Um... Anyway, super nice guy. Got got a picture taken with him, which you could find on my Facebook page. And um, my son had a great time. So that's really all I care. I mean, I had a great time. And we had so many wonderful people uh, who provided um, gifts for our uh, attendees. So many wonderful people provided food um, gratis for us. We had a Lido's Pizza anyone in the D.C. Uh, metro uh, Northern Virginia area wants a pizza, go to Lido Pizza. If anybody wants a donut, go to Duck Donuts. Uh, if anybody wants some soap, go online and order Olivana Men. Today's uh, podcast is brought to you by Olivana Men Exfoliating Bar Soap. Um, they come in all sizes, six ounces, travel sizes, Olivana Men. Uh, with certified, what am I reading? You don't care. And uh, Paddy Wax Candle Company and Pete's Coffee. They all helped us out. None of whom are going to listen to this. <laughs> so it's useless that I mention them, but one never knows. I, uh, I've i been trying to get some people on as guests, but um, I don't know. Nobody wants to. I asked one woman. She didn't want to do it. I've emailed two people. They haven't replied back to me yet. 
I'll bug them again, but you know, hopefully they 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 uh, get back to me because you don't want to listen to me just blah 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 about nonsense um, ad nauseum for it's been now about uh, it's only been nine minutes. Good God! Um, so one of the things that I uh, I think about every single day of my life in almost every act I do, and I'm not even joking about this. Um, so a long time ago, oh God, 29, 28, 29 years ago, I had a girlfriend and, um, we, uh, I remember I told her, you remember I'm 19 years old at the time, maybe 20. And I said something to the effect of, you know, I would never give anybody the first bite or the last bite of my chocolate bar. That was just something as a 19 year old, I felt was sacred. The first bite and the last bite to me were very important parts of the chocolate bar. And, um, she took that and, and then said to me, well, you're a selfish person. And, uh, and so I tried to, you know, rationalize it and be like, no, I just, I, you know, I bought the damn chocolate bar. I should be able to choose, you know, what, what part I bite, uh, and when, uh, but she said that and it stuck with me, you know, and so how does this affect me? Here I am now. This happened. I was 19 years old. I can almost in my mind place where, it, where the conversation took place. Um, so here I am now, 48. So, so this is, you know, like I said, 29 years ago. And uh, every single day of my life, I'm not, I'm not even joking. There will, at some point, it will cross my mind. Am I being selfish in what I'm doing? So it goes to like, you know, every night now I set the table or on the nights that I do set the table, I always set my place setting last. Uh, but this is the argument I have with myself in my head every single time I, I set it. I think, okay, you know, uh, angel side of me is saying, you're setting yourself last because you're being considerate and looking after, you know, the other three people in the family first, and then you're setting yourself last. So that's one way that my mind justifies it. The other way my mind justifies it, the, the devil side or the selfish side, I guess, is that, you know, oh, you're setting your place setting last because you want to make sure that your setting is the most perfect setting on the table. So that's how it applies to dinner time. Um, when it comes to folding laundry, I will fold, um, I, I have to make sure <laughs> that I fold a number of articles of everybody else's, uh, clothes before I start folding my own. And then I, when I'm putting it away, um, in the, in the hamper before I bring it upstairs, I always want to make sure that, you know, everybody's clothes are in a better spot than, than mine. But then again, it's that, it's that argument I have with myself in my head where I'm saying like, well, you know, I'm putting everybody's in first because I'm being considerate and really the overall, um, like what's, what's going through my head is that I'm setting everybody's table first. I'm folding everybody's laundry first because in the event after that third person and before me, I should die. Okay. <laughs> if I should somehow die between 
you know, uh, setting the last place setting or folding my son's pants or rolling up my wife's socks and putting them away, I should die. At least everybody else's laundry is folded. At least everybody else's place setting is set. And they could go on living knowing that the last act I did was to make sure that they were fed or at least they had the means to be fed via the place setting, or they had their clothes uh, laid out. Anyway, it's just something, it's really those two areas where it goes through my head, but but I'm sure it, it happens with other things. Um, so I want to thank her for giving me this angst um, that I have had <laughs> for lo these many years, and probably even after, you know, talking about it. I'm, I'm still going to have it. So yeah, I wanted to get that off my chest. There's a podcast uh, Twitter account, podchasers.co that I follow. And uh, one of the things that they, they usually just ask questions and, you know, what does it take? Like, what would you give, what, what would you say people to, to people who want to start a podcast? And I basically, um, cause no one's asking me, uh, <laughs> I, I think I would say, what I said in the tweet to them was, just do it. It's not as expensive as you think it is. And it is not as difficult as you think it is. Now, I needed help because I don't know how to set any of this in, in, uh, any of this equipment up. But I had a guy who came over and I paid him and I bought a microphone and a little kit off of Amazon for $150 or $180, I can't remember. And um, I got a website using Squarespace and you know, he, this guy, Brandon helped me with everything and, uh, it was just amazing. So I don't know why I just decided to mention that, but yeah, if you're thinking of starting a podcast, don't step on my toes, man. I got this weird world of whatever the fuck it is I talk about covered. Um, so that's good. Do that. Um, what can I tell you else? My son is, um, Thinking he's going to try out for marching band, which I gotta admit I'm a little bit happy about, cause uh, the 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 football scares me. Scares me. I gotta be honest with you with the head injuries. Lots of those head injuries happening. I think I might have had one when I was a child. I remember uh, being in the schoolyard and somebody throwing me down on the ground. I whacked my head on a. We had in our school um, playground. Good lord, fuck! This is weird. In my elementary school playground, one of the, the things we had to play in were these gigantic concrete, um, like, what the fuck were they? It was like they were these sections of tunneling that, <laughs> that they had put in the playground and we would, you know, crawl through them and climb on them. But I remember somebody throwing me onto one. I whacked my head. And then I got, I was at home. That's all I remember. And I'm sure I probably had a concussion. Um, but my God, the other, that's funny. Cause I, you know, I'm thinking about these, um, these grade school, uh, things. And just this morning I was driving my daughter to school and she wanted to know how I, she was talking cause we take, um, two young friends of hers, two friends of hers to school every morning. They meet us at the corner. I pick them up. It's absolutely no big deal. Um, it's along the way. The most it involves me is stopping the car for, you know, a minute. 
so um, we were talking, and anyway, we didn't take them this morning. My daughter was asking me how I would get to school. And I remember as a kid, um, we had, uh, there were two schools that I went to. I went, well, okay, so Hillel, the, the Hebrew school I went to, they had two locations. They had the West End location, which was um, in the West End, and they had the downtown location, which was downtown. The downtown location had grades one through eight. The West End location had only like kindergarten to grade three. Once you got to grade four, you went downtown. You would go downtown by getting a ride to the, um, if you lived in the West End, you'd get a ride to the West End location, and Gary, the bus driver, would skedaddle you down to um the downtown location after school, Gary, the bus driver would be there. He'd pick you up. You had enough time though to run across the street and get a snack at the convenience store. Um, one time, I think my friend Mahoney and I broke some pickles and we both denied it. Uh, so, um, why am I talking about this? Because my daughter said, who would drive you? And then it occurred to me that on the mornings, I think a, a parent drove us every morning, but in the evenings after school, actually, no, in the mornings, they one time, they found this man. I don't even know how. There must have been about eight of us in the car. And this guy named Mr. Wheeler, um, he would come to pick us up every morning with his daughter, whose name I believe was April, if memory serves. And he had this station wagon, you know, with, I remember wood paneling on the side and kind of green and brown. And Mr. Wheeler would drive us to school. And uh, a guy named, a taxi driver named Yvonne would drive us home. And what the fuck? <laughs> like, I have no idea how they, they, they Mr. Wheeler was essentially the forerunner to Uber. Um, you know, we were paying this, well, we, they were paying this guy to a flat rate uh, every, you know, day to take us to school. Anyway, I don't know. This was something I was thinking about with Mr. Wheeler and, uh, and Yvonne. And then other days, you know, if my, if for whatever reason we couldn't get a ride home, my father, I think I've talked about this, my father would send somebody from his store to pick us up and uh, they wouldn't pick us up in a car. They wouldn't pick us up in a minivan because there's no such things as minivans back in 1983 or there were, and they were just very archaic. We would get picked up in an actual utility van, you know, from the store and the sliding door on the, on the van didn't shut properly. And there was shards of glass on the floor. Oh, there's motion in my front yard. I don't know if you heard that from my, uh, from my ring uh, doorbell. I wonder what it is. It's probably just a leaf blowing by. Every middle of the night, a leaf will blow by and I'll get, there's motion at your front door. And it's like, oh, you woke me up. Um, but yeah, we'd have to sit on these. Sh <laughs> if you got a seat on the wheel well, that was, you know, you were you were golden because you weren't going to cut yourself. Um, but... We, uh, yeah, we would sit on the floor with glass around us or we would stand because <laughs> there was a rack in the van, a wooden rack, um, that you would tie the glass to if you delivered, if you were delivering glass so we could stand up and hold on to the rack that held the glass. It was very unsafe, but fun, you know, but fun. Could you imagine now though, if <laughs> that would be great if, if, uh, I pulled up to school in this just 
beat up old van with a poorly functioning sliding door and no seating whatsoever and been like, I'm here to pick you up, kids. I don't think it would go over well. Perhaps, um, yeah, perhaps I'd get uh, a talking to. Do you remember, by the way, this was a very uh, 80s thing, when when cable uh, programming started, A&E, Arts and Entertainment, which is by far, I mean, it's still on the air, but there is no arts value to A&E whatsoever. Like, I don't know the artistic value of Dog the Bounty Hunter or, uh, you know, any other of the pawn shop shows that are on. Um, but A&E, what the fuck was I talking about? I can't even remember. I could probably just roll back the tape and that would jog my memory. When it first started out, A&E, that's right. They had Evening at the Improv, Bud Friedman's Evening at the Improv. And, you know, comics would go up and they would stand in front of that brick wall and they would do their comedy bits. And you'd watch it because there was nothing really else to watch. But um, <clears throat> one of the things that com <coughs> comics were very fond of doing back in the uh, in that time in the eighties, one second, I'm gonna take a little tiny sip of this uh, tiny little bit of coffee I have left, and it was cold and it was nonsense. Um, uh, they would always do this, you know, like it would be like something like, you know, could you imagine if you know Jack Nicholson was the pilot of an airplane? It would probably go a little something like this, and then they would turn around, put on their Ray-Bans, because everybody back then did a Jack Nicholson impression, and they'd turn back around and they'd roll their sleeves up, and everybody in the audience would laugh and applaud, because the comic would have the Ray-Bans on and a big grin on their face, and then the comic would say something like, you know, thank you for flying at an altitude of, we're flying at an altitude of, what is it, Wendy? And then that was it. And then they would take their glasses off and everyone would applaud. And then they'd go off to do some other impression and they'd turn around. I think it's funny if ever I find myself in a public speaking role, um, I might, you know, try to do that where I, where I would just, you know, turn around and then turn back around and go, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah, I don't know why I was thinking about uh, Evening of the Improv. I'm just looking around this office here, and maybe that's uh, that's how it popped into my head. So, uh, what else? Going to Ottawa, bar mitzvah. Going to see the family. Excited to see my family. <clears throat> Going to bring some gifts back for uh, for them. My dad wants some Virginia peanuts because they're known for those things down here. So I'm going to get him some of those. And. Uh, I don't think there's anything at Trader Joe's I should pick up. I'm bringing my old boss, though. I hope I can see Linda. It's weird to say old boss, because I don't work anymore. and or I haven't worked in a while. And she's really more of a friend than a boss, but it's a point of reference for when I'm talking to people. Be like, oh, yeah, I'm talking to my old boss. Um, oh, some delicious, delicious uh, chocolatey s'mores that they sell at Costco. Oh, my God, are they good. I can't even think about it. I bought five bags of these things. And I think we've eaten one and a half or maybe two. I don't know. We've eaten a lot of them. Uh, if you feel that I'm off mic, it's because I'm off mic, but now I'm back on mic. Hey, can you believe this? <clears throat> John Legend was voted or selected. I don't know who does the voting. There's no there's no um, online or I don't know. Maybe there is. Sexiest Man Alive by People Magazine. Yet again, I was overlooked and it 
it really hurts my feelings, People Magazine, that you're not looking to get a slightly overweight 48-year-old, slightly overweight 48-year-old, slightly overweight 48-year-old um, Jewish guy from uh, Canada when I was in Virginia as your sexiest man alive. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm still trying to lose weight. I should probably go to the gym because I think we're just basically donating monthly to the YMCA here. Do you really, really think that the irony was lost on people when they were dancing around to YMCA back in the 70s, not really understanding the meaning behind the lyrics? Also, speaking of songs, I'm really, I'm torn. You know when you have that um, song that you really like by an artist that you really like? Listen, Paper Ripping, that's uh, f me foleying. I'm foleying. Um, you know you have a song by an artist that you you really like or, you know, this like a, you know, an under-the-radar artist, whatever. I don't know what you call them. But <clears throat> so years and years I've been a fan of the Waterboys. Just wonderful music. Um and, of course, their 1986 album, I believe it was, uh, This Is The Sea, had the song The Whole of the Moon on it, which people do know. I pictured a rainbow. You held it in your hands. Um, so, Whole of the Moon, great song. They introduce it in an early episode this season on The Affair, which was just a complete mess. I didn't like this season at all, but whatever. Um, so they introduce it in an early episode this season. And, of course, in the uh, last episode, there's a wedding, and there's a the song resurfaces again, and then it resurfaces at the very end of the episode, a newer version done by Fiona Apple, who uh, did the theme for the show. So it's kind of fitting that she got to do it. But anyway, it's being, you know, thrown around on Twitter. And then subsequently you see all these other versions of it thrown around on Twitter. And now it's kind of seeing, I hope, a second life. But part of me is kind of, ugh, now everyone's realizing what a great song it was. Like there's a group of people who've known that this is one of the best songs ever written for 32, 33 years now. Um, so I'm glad it's finally, hopefully getting, you know, more of the recognition it deserves, but it's just such a beautiful song. And the, there is a great version on YouTube. If you search it out, it was probably done in like 1986. It's Mike Scott, who is the founder and key person in the Waterboys. Um, he's at a school in, I think it's Ireland and, uh, all the kids are gathered around him. And there's a little stage in the center. It's, it almost looks like it's in a hallway. And he, he gets on, on the piano and he just, you know, starts to play. And then he just goes right into the song. And the kids go nuts. The kids lose their minds. And you can even see some of the teachers are, like, giddy with excitement. Um, because at this time, it was a huge song. And it was just the, 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 the raw joy that these kids show when this song is sung it's just it's absolutely amazing and you know uh jen and i went <clears throat> last what is it it's, uh, yeah last month in, in october went and saw the water boys in dc and 
you know, he did, he, of course he played Hole of the Moon and it was just, it's always spectacular because it's such a beautiful song. And, uh, and then he ended with, uh, Purple Rain, this amazing cover of Purple Rain. Did not know that there was like a connection between the Waterboys, Mike Scott and Prince, but Prince, there's a version again, you can, you can find it on YouTube of Prince doing the Hole of the Moon with this crazy funky bass line that Prince, I, I, I think if you read the comments, Prince is actually playing the bass on it. Um, something I should have asked Susan Rogers about, but I didn't. But it was just wonderful. It was wonderful. And uh, I mean, I was okay, that version was good. I, it's not my favorite version of it. I think there's one now in a movie, maybe it's in the movie Last Christmas, I don't know, where they're sitting in a church, I've seen the scene, and and they're, the, the young man is playing the church organ, and uh, he starts to sing it, and then the woman that he's with, they sing it together, and it's very nice, it's very nice. There's also a great version of, of the Waterboy song, How Long Have I Loved You, um, making its rounds. Uh, it's on Room to Rome, and it's kind of more of an upbeat version on Room to Rome, but there's some really, really nice slowed down versions of it. So if you're looking for a wedding song, oh, How Long Have I Loved You? Absolutely beautiful. How long have I loved you? Long as there are stars above you. It's really beautiful. I maybe you know what? I might just end it on that. I've been talking at you for 20 minutes. Um, it's, like I said, it's Wednesday, November 13th, two days after Remembrance Day, uh, a day before I drive to Ottawa. There's snow in the forecast down there, which just fucking scares the shit out of me, and I'm dreading it, and I know I'm going to pack in properly. But it is what it is, and it's a great reason we're going to Ottawa. I'm very, very happy about it. And hopefully some of the people that I've uh, sent emails to are going to gladly respond to me and say, we would love to be on your show to talk about life at an abattoir, which is not something I've talked to somebody about being on, but maybe that wouldn't be a bad idea. Life in an abattoir. It almost sounds romantic once, but then you find out what an ab abattoir is and it's not so romantic. Google abattoir. Abattoir! Such a nice word for slaughterhouse. Uh, speaking of, oh my God, this is another thing I wanted to talk about for a long time. There was a book written by the late Kurt Vonnegut. And I believe it was Time Something. Can't. God, I wish I could remember the name of the book. You know what? While I'm rambling, I'm going to uh, gonna Google Kurt Vonnegut. Okay. This is me in real time doing this. <clears throat> oh, my God. I can't believe it's been 12 years since he died. Um, oh, God. Let me find the name of his book here. Wikipedia. God bless you. Of course, he wrote Slaughterhouse-Five. We all know that. Um, this is just me. Bibbling, bibbling, but works. Here we go. Novels. The book was Timequake. Okay, it was released in 1997. So, Timequake, if memory serves, had a whole sequence devoted in it. Maybe it wasn't Timequake, but it was one of his books where uh, it's the future, and he. The characters in the in the book go into a porno theater. And what they're watching is not actually like pornography as we know it, but it's people close up eating food, eating decadent, you know, chocolate cakes and 
lobster and spaghetti and all of this food, but it's, it's like, it's filmed in like this kind of like pseudo sexual way in there. This is what is considered porn in, in the future. And the other day I'm watching, you know, a myriad of, of, of cooking shows, Iron Chef and, and, uh, oh God, um, Bobby Flay and, you know, Cookie Challenge and Chopped and all of this. And <clears throat> I thought, you know what, Kurt, had you been alive, you predicted it. We're essentially watching food porn. There's close-ups on, you know, the cheeses and they're oozing. And we're looking at, at you know, these, these, these fish, these shellfish and butter. And it's like, it's meant to be provocative. And I just, I thought of that as I was watching it. So I think really the theme of today was, you know, retrospect. <laughs> was retrospect. There's a bumper sticker I saw. It's available on Amazon uh, where it looks like a political bumper sticker and it says hindsight 2020. And uh, yeah, that's the theme of this uh, episode is hindsight. Oh, if only I had that. I guess we do all have hindsight, but um, if we only had foresight before hindsight, I, I don't know. So I'm going to end it there. have been going on now for a ridiculous amount of time, but absolutely nothing. But I want to thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully I'll be back next week with a guest. Boy, that would be super. And uh, I could, you know, talk for hours about nonsense. But I think I, I got, you know, a few of the topics off that I wanted to. The girlfriend who called me selfish. A number of women who I know uh, from my youth, from my youth, are turning 50 you know, I mean, we're all getting older, but, but it's so weird to think that, that, um, oh, I was young so recently and now I'm old or, and it's, what was it? What a drag it is getting old. Um, there's a lot of good references about, uh, you know, when I look back on all the crap I learned in high school, it's a wonder I can think at all. Um, I don't, there's other ones, but. I'm going to end it there. Thanks for listening. It's been Too Lazy to Write with your host, me, The Real John Baker. You could find me online on Twitter, at The Real John Baker, on Facebook, probably friends, but if not, search me out. We'll be friends. <coughs> or on the website, the number two, the word lazy, the number two, the word write, with a W, W-R-I-T, toolazytowrite.com. Thanks for listening. Here's the song. Too lazy to write.